Hi, and welcome to episode six of The Green Room. And today I'm joined by James. Hi there, everyone. I'm Nick. What are we going to talk about today, James? We're going to talk about all sorts of things. Oh, oh episode six, lucky number. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to lead with that, but we, <laughs> we can talk about episode six being a lucky number if you'd like. Did you, did you have that in, in, your, in your lucky dip? In my lottery ticket? Yes. No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't. Missed out. If you time. win and I don't, please. Because I've got number six. Um, so uh, today, Nick, we are talking, so we're going to start, um, we're going to talk about smart meters because uh, we get loads of questions about those. People are a bit worried about getting them installed and don't really see the point of them. So we'll go through all of that. Um, we got a, uh, a email this week um, from a lady called Sue mm-hmm. um, regarding her conservatory and housekeeping okay. warm. Again, very topical because I'm very sure topical. people are... Yeah, exactly. Breakfast and all sorts of things. And it's yeah, quite cold facing the same sort of issues. And then uh, we're going to touch on the, the tidal lagoon over in mm-hmm. Swansea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got a couple of things to finish with. You're going to have to talk all about that because I haven't been following it on the tidal lagoon. Okay, no worries. No worries. You know, if you need me, I'm here. I'm not to support that knowledge. Very good. Very good. Um, so, right, smart meters. So smart meters, uh, what are they, um, why is it happening, and, and what's going on with it? So basically, um, the plan is to replace our current meters, so gas electricity, with smart meters. And, and the, the gist of the smart meters are, they actually are, they give you a real-time reading of mm-hmm. what your electricity and gas usage is. So basically, they communicate with your energy company. So if you're using your appliances, using gas, electricity, and all of that stuff, they will give a real-time reading back to the energy company. So it means stuff like where you have to submit the reading. Yeah. Uh, we'll make that redundant because that will be automated, essentially. Yeah. Um, it, uh, interestingly, it will send a reading every 30 minutes mm-hmm. to your energy company. That is interesting. It is. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's kind of real-time. I guess, I guess that may or may not change. If we ever get to kind of full adoption of uh, time and use tariffs, but at the minute um, there's not many time and use tariffs out there, although there are a few and they are growing sort of day by day, we actually need more adoption of um, smart meters for to fully realise the benefits of that. And you're okay. So let's so take it back a bit. So hmm. I've electric meter. I swap out with a new meter. So someone comes around. Does it cost anything? So I was just going to say, um, and the background cause of all of this is so essentially. It is a tool to um, make demand more responsive. So because we have a challenge of one from generation, uh, i.e. what we do with electricity and gas supply for the future, how do we generate it? What's on a national, on a UK on basis. On a UK basis. So the idea with this is it will make things like if we, because we've got a very national network, mm-hmm. that's essentially as old as, you know, Victorian Britain. Time. Yes. It's... Um, so it, was, it, it wasn't designed to be very local and demand mm-hmm. responsive. So the idea of smart meters, it will help that transformation yeah. to make electricity less wastage, more demand responsive, more efficient and more cost effective over, over the long term. So and the government, are basically, well, the government want everyone to at least have the opportunity or they want to, by 2020, they want everyone to have at least been offered. Them. So if you look at the clauses, what they say is um, each energy company has to show that they are making a, an effort to switch customers by the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. What happens after 2020, we don't Nobody know. Nobody knows. So uh, <clears throat> now, watch this space. Okay, so everyone's got to have one by 2020. Well, you would they, have, they've got to... They Sorry. You, they've you've got, got to... They've got to make an effort. Yes. So I could get one by 2020 if I wanted to. Yes. So... 
you get a separate one, so I have an electric meter and I have a gas meter at home. I would get a new smart meter of my electric meter and I get a new smart meter of my gas. The I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if you know the answer because I don't know the answer. The in-home display. Yeah. So the bit that tells me how much gas I've used in the day and yes. electricity. Yeah. Just one. One it links to both. Yes, the in theory, in theory, but it depends on the on the energy company because when the smart meters first came out. Some energy companies only rolled out the electric meter. Because I remember they didn't, roll out, didn't roll out the gas, but now you can get both gas and electric. Okay. And it varies from energy company to energy company. The interesting thing, and this is quite, um, I was fascinated by this when I, when I saw mm-hmm. it. That, uh, so it's so an electric meter, um, it, it just kind of keeps on sending the signal and, it, and it's connected obviously to the electricity supply. But mm-hmm. they deem the gas one to be too dangerous, too dangerous to connect to the electricity supply. So it's run by a battery. So presumably that will need replacing and okay. replenishment over time. So it will still require some sort of engineer visit. Okay. So okay. I found that quite uh, well, interesting for me. Interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. And I think some of the... So it doesn't matter if you're on a prepayment meter or no, Economy it doesn't. 7, it economy you can 7. still get a Although, although the time's on Economy 7, so it might not be the same times of, of when you currently receive Economy 7 hours that are the same when you switch to smart meters. It could be slightly different hours. So give me, the tester here, start off with, give me five reasons you get a smart meter installed. Four? Five. Five reasons, four. <laughs> so first of all, you get uh, real, real-time real billing. So you're, as Wesley said, yeah. the, 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 um, the readings are supplied every 30 minutes to your energy company. So you're paying for exactly what you use, no more, no less. You get more visibility of what you're using because of the, that sort of follows on. So yeah, in theory, you, you can make some uh, choices about uh, demand reduction. Yeah, so don't turn on the tumble dryer, go and hang it outside. Obviously, not today because it's raining, but... Um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you are um, kind of doing doing your bit uh, for for the overall energy picture. Mm-hmm. So, i.e., you're you're part of this um, move movement. Yeah. From trans- transforming our energy system onto, yeah. onto something that's more, a bit more demand responsive. Um, to be honest, I, I think that those are my top five, top three. Sorry, I've probably got more ones that I'm against of why you should have it at the minute than, than ones that, that are for unless you can think of kind of two obvious ones not obvious not really I mean I could <clears throat> I could think that a lot of smart me- well a lot of energy meters are very very old and therefore potentially so if you're yeah I mean or say if you move into a house and it's a prepayment meter and actually you don't want a prepayment meter so yeah. you just get a smart meter anyway yeah so it's a kind of but, but okay so we're sort of Scraping. Scraping on the benefits. Yes. Really. Fine. Okay. So, in, in principle, though, really good idea. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, why... Uh, I think one of the biggest issues with them is when they were first rolled out, they were under... So, they they basically, they had old software, mm-hmm. simply. They had really old software. And what, what happened was when you moved from one energy supplier to another, your... It was the, a bit buggy. Just It would lose the smart... Capability the, of it. of it, yeah. So basically, it would just become an energy meter. So it was tricky to switch. So normally, what would happen is then you would just swapped out with another smart meter by the other energy company. Which which is obviously, it doesn't really just, fulfill the purpose. And it wastes money. And waste money. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think the... So, so that was one of the early issues. Mm-hmm. And obviously, people were really scared about data protection mm-hmm. because... You know, for example, and the data protection, I was trying to think why that was an issue, but yeah. the data protection really is, if I can monitor when you're using electricity and then suddenly use none, that suggests you are out of the house. Mm-hmm. And if it's out of the house for an extended period, you're 
extended period, you're on holiday, right? So therefore, I can burgle your house. But you can. Is that the data? data but you can. So you can. You can opt in and out of marketing. Yes, of course you can. But I'm just trying to think of, of if someone were to hack into your data usage, that is probably how they'd use it, hmm. rather than just to find out. It's a very hot, glass half full view of seeing, you know, government rollouts, James. No, no, I'm just all I'm saying. <laughs> all I'm saying is that I, I, you know, there's loads of. I don't like my email being given out and all that sort of stuff, yeah. which I completely understand because I get. Sent but the information is really emails. basic, so it's just the readings going. I, I know but what you're saying. But you, when there was a big thing that people were worried about is, uh, you know, they were intruding on privacy. You just get one of the smart lights, so one of you, so you can install something. No, no, no granted, I'm just, I'm just. I, saying, I know what you're the, saying. The, yeah. okay. But I think on the whole, it's now very well encrypted. Yes. You shouldn't really have issues with the data side, and also um, the the new software. So they're, they're the new generation of uh, smart meters. That's S M E R T. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. Well, I do know what it sounds. It stands for Smart Metering Equipment Technical Specifications. Two, which is replaced one. Yes. Um, it does allow you now to switch between suppliers. Yes. Um, so that's a really, really good thing. Uh, the so another couple of issues I think. Well, I had a real practical one. So uh, I was just saying to Harry before I we, we started to record this. So my next door neighbour um, had a big six um, energy. Sorry, gas, gas smart meter, and, and this was in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, although not as bad as now as we're in the winter, so essentially she said it just stopped working and then her gas supply was just cut. And I mean, that was her experience, and I don't know, obviously, if that is what normally people experience. But Well, the, British gas, so British, this was in February 2018, so it's about 12 months ago, and they were saying that they can, they don't, but they have the ability, there is a capability to remotely disconnect someone from electricity or gas. They're not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. They have to follow their kind of normal protocol. Mm -hmm. But the fact they have that capability, you you worry that someone could flip the switch Mm -hmm. a little bit easily. Um, And I think the, the other issue, I guess, is Actually, I get a smart meter on my house. One of the biggest selling features is it's going to lower my energy usage. Mm-hmm. And potentially, it gives me the information to lower my energy usage. But unless I use it, unless I use the information it gives me, my energy usage will and still it makes be it easy. I suppose it makes it easier for you to switch tariffs as well, because by the end of 12 months, you don't have to kind of go scratching around for your bills or... Yeah, that's an advantage. etc. You, you've got that. You've got it all there. Yeah, so that is another advantage. I mean, I, I think on the whole, they're a really good idea. I think for the UK, we need to have them. And I think it's it's because, you know, we used to have big power stations that did all our electricity production, whereas now we have much mm-hmm. smaller energy producers, like solar panels and wind farms and all this sort of stuff. So the government needs to better manage supply and demand. So I completely understand why they've done it. There were a few facts and figures. Yes, I was going to say, so if you're rural, so if you're out in the, the middle of, Nowhere. Uh, it might be tricky at times to get the signal back to the DCC. So DCC is a centralised network now that's responsible for administering the um, information coming from the smart meters back to the energy companies. So if you're, I don't know, just in an area that's got bad signal, then it might be tricky for you to communicate back the figures real time. So, yeah, so not every community could be best served by, by these things. So we'll have to see how the technology kind of plays yeah. out. But on the whole, good thing. Yeah. And I think now this new software is coming in. It doesn't stop people switching between energy providers. I think 
actually most people should get them installed. I think what, what I've got, um, have you got a smart meter? Not yet. So I've, I've got now regular emails by Scottish Power, so they, they're actually saying they're in my area, so I might actually take them up and... I think it's a good idea. I think we will record a few when, clips. When I next get the letter, I will probably and share it and share it with the wider yeah. audience. Okay, so that's really smart meters. Um, any other things to mention about that? I was going to say one one thing I found really interesting as well. So um, they don't all necessarily communicate back centrally. So what can happen is that they sometimes work in a series. So your meter could send the readings to your Neighbor. next door neighbor's one then relays it onto another one and then the one that's connected to the DCC sends back the signal for all of the information. Wow. So that's quite interesting. Well, it is because I guess if 10 houses down it's broken, then they don't get any of those readings. Yes. Okay, interesting. That seems really intelligent. Yes. Okay, fine. But anyway, yeah, move, moving on. Yeah. Okay, so we got a email from, uh, from Sue uh, last week. Sue from Whitney. And it was basically, she moved into a house last year. She moved in in the summer and she was looking at during the spring to with a view to buy it. And it had this conservatory, which she thought was great. And it was great last summer because summer, last summer was spectacularly hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's now obviously got to February. Yes. And the, the old temperature dial has dropped considerably. Yes. And she is bloody freezing. Yes. Uh, and she is wondering what to do okay um and so have you have you <laughs> what are your thoughts do you got a conservatory at home no just knock it down and start again <laughs> I, I don't like them personally i, I just don't think they but you, you can't see sort of in the summer there with your glass of pins I, I can't see it i mean i would um i mean if i wanted to personally if i wanted a a kind of a, a breakfast area with with a bit more light i would either do something with my kitchen or You've got now um, kind of prefabricated builds. So this is where you kind of use non-traditional build like SIPs, structural integrated panels. You can you can actually do something really cheaply, but more structural and less glass. Okay, so so now let's help Sue. Let's help Sue. <laughs> Rather than you you like house. conservatory, so... No, I don't, love, I don't, I don't like conservatories, really. I mm. think they're... People tend to... I think they're oversold, that, to be honest, well, because it's, they're, full, they're, it's glass. They're really quick. Yeah. Right, to shove in a house and they give you another room to your house. So I and you don't I mean the planning around it is pretty sketchy as in you can get one yes. put on relatively easily on the back of your house. So actually it adds square footage. I can see why people do it. I think the there are a few things. So basically these things, their little bits on the back of your house tend to be and they're all glass, right? And glass is historically the weak point on the on the outside of your house because it's obviously very thin. You need to be able to see through it, so it can't really be insulated. Um, and how we tend to have got better at making glass more energy efficient is made is putting an extra pane in, so double glazing and now triple glazing. And between each pane, there is normally an inert gas, which slows the rate of heat loss across the two panes of glass. So, number one, if you, I don't know how old this is. She didn't go into too much detail. I don't know how old this conservatory is, but number one, have a look at replacing if it's single glazed glass you can either knock it down which is next kind of terminal solution or you could uh, look to replacing the glass with double conservatory gla- killer yes you could, you could look to replacing the glass with double glazing um, even triple glazing now which would obviously give you some benefits 
Um, so that would kind of be my first port of call. I think if you if you have double glazing in it already, I probably wouldn't look to put new double glazing in it unless windows are blown, unless, sorry, the double glazing is mm. blown and it's all fogged up everywhere. So I'd probably, yeah. probably not leave that. Do you remember there was that fella last year who got in touch with us and he was doing um, conservative roofs? And yes. he was replacing the glass roof yes. with an insulated solid roof. Yes. Quite a good idea. Not cheap, again, because you're kind of taking this very semi-permanent structure mm-hmm. and you'll make it much more permanent by putting a proper solid roof in. Yes. But you're insulating probably what is the highest area of heat loss. Correct. Um, so you can do that. Um, so you can look for putting a solid insulated roof on your conservatory, replacing the glass. Um, you obviously draft proofing. So draft proofing is a massive, massive thing. And it's it's really simple to do. The, the kind of the ways to draft proof are very, very easy. Um, I'm just reading all these off. Well, I was gonna say, so where I had um where I had a particular issue with it, so when I was when I was in my friend's house and um and his parents basically they knocked down the whole back wall. Right. And then obviously, you know, the conservatory gives you nice light and stuff and it looks all great because it extended the or extended the living room at the time. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it's um and that's the reason I hate it, because of the glass, it's a poor insulator. They essentially knocked all of that back wall down. And all of that draft was coming through the conservatory. So, but you could put an internal door in, or yeah, to or, block the so make exactly. the conservatory. So if it's open, so I'd say so if you've got an open, so if you moved into a house and it's open to the conservatory. So the conservatory, you literally walk out of the conservatory, and your house is there. Yes. Rather than there is a door separating. Yes, exactly. With with a, with a wall, yeah. So, so you I'm, put a wall in exactly. Yeah. Yes. I think because the other the other quick way to to do it, a cheaper way than building a wall, is um, so just a thermal curtain. So if it isn't separated, you get a very heavy hung curtain across where the join is between the two, yeah. and then that will obviously help yes. the heat escape. Um, in terms of heating them itself, uh, so the infrared's quite clever. Yeah, it is. It is just because you're not heating the air essentially, so it's not a bad thing. Um, and also they're quite responsive infrared, yes. so it heats up pretty quickly. Yes. Um, and I think, and to be honest, the near infrared, you know, the ones that glow mm-hmm. with the orange, I think it's quite a nice way to heat them. Um, lots of people do underfloor, but underfloor heating at the same time as doing underflooring with other bits of your house. Otherwise, it's quite a costly, costly thing to do. So we're not um, giving too much confidence here. About no, I, th- I think we are. I think we are. Oh, I think we are. Yeah, I think so. So you think I mean, she should get the roof panels done, and and if she's got the so if I so I cut. would have a look how old it is. Yeah, and then make a decision. So if it's got if it's double glazed, and it's still really cold, i.e. if it's like. 15 years old and still freezing, I'd probably consider your option. Or consider replacing it with a new one. Mm-hmm. But obviously that's very expensive. So drafting is cheap. Yeah. Thermal, you know, putting this curtain across is, is a cheap way to do it. Um, and trying to get the right sort of heating. I mean, I'm not knocking all of them, but I'll just say it, it's very limited where you can have them. I, I think he is knocking them. So, he seems like he's knocking them. I'd say you're knocking them. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it, they only for me really make sense if your back garden is facing south, yeah. essentially, or southeast or southwest, because yeah, that's where you get the sun. But if yeah. you're sold, if you've been sold a conservatory and you've got a north, you're, you're facing towards north where you're not going to get any sun, stuff, it's going to be an absolutely terrible idea. Well, then, yeah, but you're a bit of an idiot for buying it. Yeah, and you should do your research. Yes. Um, so uh, that that is that one. Okay. So hopefully, Sue, 
that has answered a few of your questions. Um, we, I'm sure Harry will be writing some content on it relatively soon um, on the Green Age website. I'm excited about the next one, actually, next, the uh, Swansea Tidal Lagoon. Tell me about it. So I, I actually, uh, I know nothing about it, James. Do you know nothing? You're the, you're the expert. I know. So what I, is tidal power? Tell me that. So, so tidal power is essentially using the tide. <laughs> I, the, the tide comes in and out about four times in the day. So from high tide to low tide, from to high tide to low tide. Right. So there's a constant moving of water. Mm-hmm. And it's got something to do with the moon. It has got something to do with the moon. It's very predictable. Um, so you can what, predict it up to 40 years? It's longer than that. Is it? Yeah, I read it was 65 years. 65 but it's probably years. longer than that. Maybe a fact check. Um, but you, so you can so basically what, exactly what you so, if, you, so if you've got moving water and you've got turbines and then yeah. if obviously if the water moves that movement drives a turbine and if you can so what you're basically doing is so in, in a nutshell and what they're trying to do in uh, in Swansea with this tidal lagoon they were basically the tide moves in so all, can we fact check the uh, four tides in a day thing as well yeah so the water comes in yeah to this man-made pool yeah so that, I mean it's a massive massive thing so it comes into this pool where they then shut all of the gates on it. So this right. is all hypothetical. It so this is all hypothetical. Yeah. But if they shut the gates on it, right? So all the water is locked in this lagoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but it's obviously they're both at the same level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the tides will come in, but yes. they've locked it. They then close the gates so the water can't escape. Yes. The water then goes out. So yes. on the outside, it's now much lower. Yes. They then open the gate, or they open the turbines, yeah. and the water pings through, yes. back out, and you produce power. Oh, which is... So it's actually really simple. It's really predictable. Um, and the UK is kind of... We're at the forefront of, of some of these quite cool technologies. And obviously, we've got a very tidal setup where we are, and they're looking at doing all sorts of different tidal energy programs all over. But, you know, we're kind of offshore wind, we're, we're world leaders in like Yes. It's a cool thing for us to be really good at something and all these different So, fact check correct, four tides in a day, yeah. Very good, Nick. Very too low, good. too high. That's sort of geography GCSE. Uh, yeah, it might be. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, but so, I think it's, uh, I think, I mean, the bottom line here is that the... So, we're a maritime climate, we've got lots of sea, lots of water. This this be perfect yes. to essentially utilise our natural resources, well, and what, was, we, what we're good at, essentially. Yeah, and basically, it was a £1.3 billion project, mm-hmm. which is lots of money, um, and it was going to power 155,000 houses around the local area, and it has been canned. It's been cancelled. Did it go to nuclear power, some of that money? It did, but but even that. So the plan is to build up this nuclear power plant, which right? was cancelled. Which was cancelled. Yes. That we've got Hinkley C, which is taking forever and a day for them to get started on. Yeah. Um. And so I just, I you know I'm I'm don't want to rant on about HS two, but I mean I just heard you said that. <laughs> well, I mean it's Welsh Valentine's Day and. It's quite poignant because Wayne Wales was really because I've got it in the notes. So Wales was really mad when the funding got cut for this time. I think, but it's a shame. It's really. It's. Yes. I feel like we could again have, have become world leaders in this thing that we could have then exported to other countries all our expertise, and the government has canned it. And for some reason, it's it's actually a, it's what you've just said there. So it, it's a it's a it's one, it's one of the predictable uh, low renewables. carbon or renewable technologies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rather than wind, because we don't. Quite no, whereas tides, as you said, tides, you can predict them years. to the second almost. Um, and so, and they talk about the the seventh 
barrage, which is this kind of other tidal barrier that they're, they're mm-hmm. considering or have considered in the past, it would power more than 5% of the UK's power needs. And it's completely predictable and it lasts forever and ever. Like, I mean, it's sort of a 120 year lifespan. Um, and I just, it really do you think frustrates it's, me. Do you think it's, um, do you think the reason we do stuff, it's kind of like how large corporations run things to the end of the contract? So, i.e., they look at, say, the lifespan of a coal power plant, a nuclear power plant, and they go, okay, well, actually, although this technology makes sense, you know what, we'll, we'll run it till the end of its life and then we'll sort of, go on to the next thing rather well, than be proactive? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, th- I think the other thing is when you're trying to do, and they, they, they blame this all on cost, right? But they're doing the cost analysis for all this stuff. And, they, and so nuclear plants get built at a massive expense and we agree to pay the, the producers of that power a certain price for the electricity, which is way over the odds Yeah. for the next however long. I think the, the issue really is... Well, I just think the government is just hugely careless. And I just think they don't really get that we need to lock in a sustainable energy future. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when I say sustainable, I mean something that actually is going to produce power so we don't yeah, have blackouts. I, I do agree with you, yeah. So it's, it's sometimes you feel it's... Um, um, it, 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 it gets to uh, such a party political level rather than a very strategic level. So although we have election cycles... We don't seem to get long-term agreements no, and stuff. Agreed. So I mean, but I, I think because energy is so important, it's probably one of the departments where you should you should have a consensus on things. But, but also, when when they're considering the costs on something like this, with nuclear, they consider the the setup costs and all this sort of stuff. But they don't consider getting rid of the nuclear waste, the environmental costs, yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. And and we're, of we're still paying two thirds of the uh, what is it, the, the the deck budget, also not deck budget, but the old deck budget. Was. Yeah. Decommissioning costs, yeah. isn't it? So, um, which is borne by the taxpayer. And and this is and then, so I th- I think all of those costs are kind of just they're taken away from the actual cost of nuclear power. Well, really, you can't do that. They're kind of one and one and the same. You know, if you have a coal power plant, then there are going to be health sort of risks associated with being right next to a coal power plant. And you know, and, and, and none of these costs are passed on. And I and I think and I think it's once you've done one one of these projects and and you get it to a relatively successful completion, although the first one might cost a lot. Actually, you learn a lot from that project, so therefore the next one and the one after that and the one well, after that. that's it. You get economies of scale. The price comes down, yeah, as we've seen with offshore wind. So although it's quite expensive, still relatively expensive to set up, but as, as we're building more and more offshore wind farms, and you, and I see a lot of them, actually. So when you um, fly back to the UK, when you fly over the channel, you see see them in the Thames estuary. So mm. they, they are starting to spring up, and obviously in, in um, northeast Scotland as well, they've, yeah. they've got a massive wind farm, and they're still continuing to build them. So cost, costs are going to come down. Um, sure. And it's, um, you know, with... Uh, and then this is where the smart meters come in. So if... if um, so say for those 155,000 homes, suddenly if you've got local power like that, you've got um, somewhere to control demand and see demand in its kind of full responsiveness you can really utilize the energy in, in a really efficient uh, and a kind of low low cost way and you minimize the the, the losses through kind of transform trans, transforming it to other parts of the country which mm-hmm. our current network is built on which is very very inefficient yeah so uh, yeah i agree so uh but but basically to to recap it's been cancelled this time in lagoon um, we don't really have any proper tidal projects we have sort of very very small scale projects 
Um, I think it's a massive shame. I think the government are a little bit short-sighted uh, because if we can get good at it, costs will obviously come down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that our setup of photography is um, is really set up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's that. I'm excited about the next one because you've been telling me about this all week. So, toast ale. Toast ale. Okay, so this is this is quite fun. So, toast ale. Basically, this fellow in 2015, and his name was Tristan Stewart. Um, he has camera. You can see it. He has basically um, set up this company that takes bread and makes beer out of it. Right. So, so, but it's so he will take so in the UK. But it's um, offcuts, isn't it? Well, no, it's forty-four. It's not even offcuts. It's proper loaves that just aren't sold. Right. Right. And so, basically, forty-four percent of the bread. Because otherwise, it'd just, in be the UK, away, it'd just be thrown away. Just be thrown away. So, forty-four percent of the bread is is wasted in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if we make a hundred loaves the whole country, forty-four of those are chucked away. Now, we will basically. He, he doesn't take all of this bread, but takes a little bit of it. Um, to try and find a use for it, uh, and they they sort of add that, and instead of the barley that they mm-hmm. normally make beer with, mm-hmm. a third is bread, mm-hmm. and then two thirds is barley. So it's not completely replacing it, um, but they're making this beer, and they have um, open sourced the recipe, so anyone can go onto Toast's website and download the recipe to make their own beer out of bread, and I just think that's a cool thing. You know, we're all about trying to minimise wastage, and this is the kind of solution we need to come up with. So, although I might not copy the recipe and not do and not do this myself, I think it might be a good idea to bring some of this product in, maybe, and then once we're through dry January, we, yeah, once once dry January is finished, we can certainly we can try do something it. there. Yeah, I'll tell you how it is. Um, but anyway, I did so well done, Tristan, because that's yeah, that's good. the sort of project I like to hear about. Excellent. Um, so that's it really for episode six, unless there's anything else you want to touch on. No, I think on. so. I think, yeah, we covered the full 30 minutes. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, a few things. Hopefully, interesting. Um, we are, again, so that we're filming this on YouTube. Um, we are on uh, iTunes now, we're on Spotify. We're on what other things? Podbean. We're on Podbean. What Stitcher. Stitcher. Um, so all and obviously all the blogs and, and on, on the Green really Age front page. With. Um, and yeah, on the Green Age website, so www.thegreenage.co.uk. And so you can subscribe to and listen to us every week and, and hear us rambling on. Um, and we're and looking if, to improve that. We had some comments about our kind of editorial, well, not editorial, but, you know, set up. So hopefully we There's turn, not much I can do about this, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, if, if you've got anything you want to talk to us about or you've got a burning question... Fire us, us an email and we will endeavour to uh, to try and give you some answers. Uh, so that's it for another week. Thank you very much for watching and listening. <laughs>